0: For the past couple of weeks, President Trump has been railing against the trade treachery of our neighbor to the north, Canada. Canada has replaced China as Trump's new bugaboo. At the same time Trump turned his anger against the evil Canucks, he said China was not a currency manipulator. That's because Trump is now attempting to appeal to the blue-collar workers in the swing states who've been harmed by Canada's protectionism. There's nothing wrong with Trump ripping Canadian protectionism on milk importation. It's true that Canada has been tariffing American milk products in order to subsidize its domestic farming industry. Here's what Trump tweeted today. Quote, Canada has made business for our dairy farmers in Wisconsin and other border states. Very difficult. We will not stand for this. Watch. But it's Trump's solution that's sort of a problem. Instead of pressuring Canada to lower its tariffs on Wisconsin milk, Trump has decided to retaliate via tariffs of his own, with no sign that he's using those tariffs as leverage to tamp down protectionism from the Trudeau administration. On Monday night, Trump announced to conservative allies he would put a, quote, countervailing duty of somewhere between 3 and 24% on Canadian lumber. The United States buys nearly 80% of all Canadian softwood lumber exports. This means builders will pay the price for Trump's trade retaliation. As Cato Institute pointed out a decade and a half ago, Though, quote, the resulting addition of $800 to $1,300 to the cost of a new home prices some 300,000 families out of the housing market. Workers in the major lumber-using sectors outnumber logging and sawmill workers by better than 25 to 1. But this tariff does pay off domestic loggers who are celebrating along with their Democratic representatives. Senator Ron Wyden is a radical leftist, and he called the move a, quote, message that help is on the way. Herein lies the problem. The truth is that the trade dispute over lumber has nothing to do with the trade dispute over dairy. The issues are not linked. America has had a long-standing dispute with Canada over lumber for the past three decades, but Trump likes tariffs and he wants to raise them. He has a particular constituency that he wants to protect, and just as Democrats do with domestic spending, he's going to use trade to help them out through indirect taxation. That's why Trump has blamed NAFTA for Canadian trade intransigence, which doesn't make a lot of sense considering that NAFTA lowered tariffs rather than raising them. If Trump were using the new lumber tariffs As leverage for future negotiations, that would be understandable. But it appears he's just using the milk dispute as a trigger for the protectionism he so desperately seeks. Look for more punitive measures that harm American producers and consumers from the Trump administration, unfortunately. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. So tons of breaking news this morning. We're going to get to the latest on Mike Flynn. It now appears that Mike Flynn may have broken the law and the White House is sort of stonewalling for him, which is really not good. Meanwhile, we'll talk about the government shutdown, which this is not just Trump's fault. Republicans do not know how to handle government shutdowns. And we're going to talk about what they actually should be doing on all of this. Plus, I want to talk about a poll that is really disturbing to me. But first, we are going to say thank you to our advertisers over at Bullen Branch. So. I've spoken about the wonders of Bolin Branch for months now on the program, and I mean every word I say. I am not a good sleeper. I sleep really poorly. I sleep really lightly. It got to the point where after I got these Bolin Branch sheets, Bolin Branch makes the greatest sheets in the business. They, have the organic cotton, really comfortable. They really breathe. Now that I've slept on or, or the, these Bull and Branch sheets, I literally cannot sleep on any other sheets. They have ruined other sheets for me because the sheets are such quality. It's bullandbranch.com. Promo code Ben. You get $50 off your first set of sheets plus free shipping. Uh, the sheets are like 200 bucks for, for a set of sheets, which if you're talking about really, really high quality sheets, actually is not a lot of money. Plus, remember, you're sleeping on them every single night. So they are super duper comfortable. As I say, they breathe. They're like half the price of expensive retail markup. Uh, and you get twice the quality of the stuff that you're going to get At your local retailer because this is, they just are the best. You can try them for 30 nights, see for yourself. You don't like them. You can send them back for a full refund. Everybody who tries them likes them. That's why three ex president plus Bill Clinton's lovers sleep on Bull and Branch sheets. Bull and Branch is just, the the company is great. The product is fantastic. If you go to bullandbranch.com today, you get $50 off your first set of sheets plus free shipping when you use that promo code, Ben. B-O-L-L and branch.com, promo code Ben. As I say frequently, it's, it's one of those things that will make you feel rich, even if you are not, because sleeping on a luxurious set of sheets is really top-notch. And as I say, it's so good that I can't sleep on other sheets now. We bought a bunch of sets on our own initiative because we can't sleep on any other sheets. Bull and branch, the best in the business. Okay. So, uh, a lot to talk about today. I want to start off with this poll from Pew Research that is deeply troubling to me and should be troubling to all conservatives. That is, this poll shows that more Americans now want bigger government with more services now that Trump is president. So, if that seems counterintuitive, it shouldn't be. The fact is that Trump did not campaign on the basis of small government. He campaigned on cutting some regulations. He campaigned on the basis of cutting waste, fraud, and abuse. But when it came to funding of programs... It's hard to find a program that he wanted defunded other than the EPA and foreign aid. Every other program he wanted to increase funding. Veterans Affairs, he wanted to increase funding. Military spending, he wanted to increase funding. Uh, on on the entitlement programs, he wanted to increase funding. He wanted to increase funding on health care because he said that nobody should should be left out on the street and all the rest of it. Trump is not a small government guy. The era of small government, according to Republicans, apparently is over. So the poll shows that Americans now want more spending on programs ranging from veterans benefits and services to infrastructure, from Medicare to health care, from defense to environmental protection, from social security to assistance to the needy. All of them Americans now want more more government than they did back in February 2013 when Barack Obama had just been reelected and was starting his second term. So, for example, Veterans Benefits and Services, six, 53% of Americans wanted more funding for that in February 2013. Today, that is 75%. Let's take one that lefties like. Let's take assistance to the needy in the United States. Listen, we all like assistance to the needy. I want it to be done through private organizations. The left wants it done through government Only 21% of Americans in February 2013 thought that the government should provide more assistance to the needy. Today, that number is 29%. So it's risen by 8% since Donald Trump has taken office. Government assistance to the unemployed, it's up 5% from 24 to 29. Sorry, assistance to the needy in the world is from 21 to 29. Assistance to the needy in the United States is up from 27% to 45%. an 18-point jump from the Obama era. So what's happening here? What's happening here is obviously... Unfortunately, it now appears that a lot of the small government rhetoric of a lot of people on the right was just reactionary tribalism directed at Barack Obama. As soon as they got one of their own in, then all of a sudden, all the small government rhetoric went completely out the window because we like Trump, but we didn't like Obama. So it was bad when Obama spent, but it's good when Trump spends. This is stupidity. It's just silliness. And you can see that a lot of this shift is coming from Republicans, not from Democrats. In 2013, only 28% of Republicans wanted increased spending on roads and infrastructure. 21% wanted less spending on those things. Today, 55% of Republicans want increased spending on infrastructure. That is due to Donald Trump. And it's also due to the fact that Republicans have bought into, I think all Americans, unfortunately, have now bought into the idea that the government can fix your problems. The government cannot fix your problems. And you are seeing this from mainstream Republicans. You've seen it for years from mainstream Republicans. Today, the obvious example comes from John Kasich. John Kasich is the governor of Ohio, who I could not stand in the primaries. As you remember, every time John Kasich spoke during the primaries, I said, oh, God, no, please, God, not John Kasich. Oh, yes, John Kasich, governor of Ohio on MSNBC this morning. Listen to how he describes President Trump.
1: My wife says, you're the father of Ohio. Why don't you act like it? It's in the book. No, that's and, great. and I changed. And, you know, when you're running a big job like that, you have to not only use your head, but your heart. And they have to work together. And what he needs to know is he's the father of America. And and that carries a heavy responsibility. It's tweeting less. It gets, he's in a, less than 100 days. I mean, give the guy a chance is my view. And you know, look, there's nobody that has been, look, I didn't endorse him. I didn't go to the convention. I want him to be successful. I'm going to give him a chance.
0: Okay, to, to paraphrase Triumph, the comic insult dog, I poop on this. Okay, the idea that John Kasich is the father of Ohio, Donald Trump is the father of America— I'm old enough to remember when Chris Rock said about Barack Obama that he was like the country's dad. And Republicans and conservatives said, are you out of your mind? He's not like my dad. I don't need Obama as my dad. I have a dad. My dad's great. Okay? I don't need Barack Obama or Donald Trump or John Kasich to be my dad because government is not my parent. Government is there to do a job to defend and protect my rights. But it is not there to be my mommy or my daddy. But now you have Republicans, including John Kasich, and I think to a certain extent Trump, buying into this generalized idea, only I can solve. Okay, only you can solve. Let's be real about this. Trump cannot solve your problems. Only you in a free country can solve your problems. John Kasich cannot solve your problems. Only you in a free country can solve your problems. And this idiotic notion that government is supposed to sit over us and fix all of our problems is really a Democrat left notion. This idea that Trump can do it with tariffs, this idea that Trump is going to change the economics and the working of economics to protect his specific group of people, it is no better than Democrats using direct taxation to redistribute wealth to use indirect taxation to redistribute wealth. But I think Republicans have bought into this big government nonsense, and it really is upsetting. And it demonstrates the, the moral corruptness of a movement that claimed that it was small government through and through and then turns around and says that it's not small government anymore as soon as somebody they like is in, then blow out the spending. That's really dishonest, and it's dishonest in, in a huge way. You can see the dishonesty when it comes to the government shutdown. So Donald Trump wants his wall funded by Congress. It should be funded by Congress. We should have a physical barrier on the southern border. It should either be fencing or a wall. It should be monitored. We shouldn't have people crossing the border illegally. I was for a wall before Trump was, and after the Trump wall is not built, presumably, I still will be for the Trump wall when Trump has said he kept his promise. Bottom line is that Trump says he wants funding for the wall. And Republicans in Congress go, "Mm," and Democrats in Congress go and say, no way, we're not going to do it. If you do that, we will shut down the government. We will not pass a budget with funding for your stupid wall in it. So what does Trump do? Trump backs down and Republicans back down. Trump and Republicans say, no, you know what? We've decided differently. We're not gonna do that anymore. You know, screw it, no big deal, we'll move off of it. Okay, this is why Republicans cannot be trusted to cut the government. Here's how the logic should work. Republicans have been making the case for decades that small government is better. That as Ronald Reagan put it, the problem in America is not you, the problem is the government. That government is the problem, right? That was that was Ronald Reagan's case. So if government is the problem, less of it would be a good thing. So Republicans, to a certain extent, should be rooting for a government shutdown because vital essential services continue to be performed. The military continues to operate. The, the social services, like Social Security, it continues to get paid. Those are considered essential services that are not cut. When there is a government shutdown, people continue to work, right? That's just the way that this the system works. But... Republicans are so damn scared of government shutdowns that they think that it's going to crush them. Now, let's examine that for a second. If you're a Republican, why are you scared of a government shutdown? You're advocating for cuts to government every single day. Why are you scared of a government shutdown? Shouldn't you say, "Okay, fine, shut down the government. Let's see what happens. Is everybody going to die? Right? You're the ones who want the government open. You tell me why the government should stay open. You explain to me why the government should stay open on the terms that you want. And if you want to shut down the government, fine. We can all exist without the government. We can all exist without the government doing all of these stupid things that the government is doing. You know how how meaningless the government shutdown was during when Cruz and and the Republicans tried to defund Obamacare and there was a government shutdown for like a month. You know how little it mattered. You know how little it mattered. It mattered so little that Barack Obama, in order to show you how much it mattered, had to forcibly shut open air national parks. That's how little it mattered because he couldn't come up with a victim. Zombies weren't stalking the streets. There weren't people being shot en masse. There wasn't mass chaos. It wasn't the purge, right? Nothing bad was happening. So Obama, in order to show how terrible it was that the government had shut down, he had to forcibly shut like the World War II memorial and ban people in wheelchairs from going and visiting the, the memorial for their buddies. That's how he, he had to do that, specifically in order to demonstrate how terrible, how terrible the government shutdown was. He shut national parks, right, which caused nothing, nothing to operate. He could have just redirected money. He could have just redirected money and kept them open. But he wanted people to feel the suffering. And the only way he could make people feel the suffering was to shut down national parks. What Republicans should have said is, Dude, if that's all this is, like you're shutting down national parks, here's a bill to reopen the national parks and let's just leave everything else closed. Republicans, in other words, conservatives should not be afraid of government shutdowns because we're constantly making the case that not only should there be a temporary government shutdown, a lot of these programs should just die. They should just go away. We shouldn't have them at all. And yet Republicans treat government shutdowns like they're the end of the world and Democrats treat government shutdowns like, well, you know, it'll just redound to our benefit. What's the big deal if there's a government shutdown? You know why that is? That's because both parties have been complicit in pushing the the notion that big government is good for you. It does not make sense for a small government party to be scared of a government shutdown. It only makes sense for a big government party to be scared of a government shutdown. And right now, Trump has the perfect ground to stand on. So I want to flashback to the last government shutdown. This is the shutdown that happened over Obamacare. And here is what Barack Obama said about the government shutdown. And this was, and Obama did what a president should do during a government shutdown. He's a terrible president, but he did what a president should do. He blamed it on the opposing party. And he said, here is their priority they think is so important. And here is why the government shouldn't be shut down over that priority. Here's what Obama did.
1: At midnight last night, for the first time in 17 years, the Republicans in Congress chose to shut down the federal government. Let me be more specific. One faction of one party in one House of Congress, in one branch of government, shut down major parts of the government, all because they didn't like one law. This Republican shutdown did not have to happen. But I want every American to understand why it did happen. Republicans in the House of Representatives refused to fund the government. Unless we defunded or dismantled the Affordable Care Act.
0: Okay, so he was blaming it on Republicans don't want Obamacare funded. So the case he was making is they shouldn't have shut down the government over they hate the Affordable Care Act. Why can't Trump make that same case of you shouldn't shut down the government just because you don't want to fund a border wall? It demonstrates how you're open border globalist, right? This is his entire case. This is his case for being president. I am not an open borders globalist. The Democrats are. That's why we need a wall on the border. Shouldn't he be out there screaming in favor of a government shutdown if the Democrats are going to do it? Fine. You don't want to fund the government because you want to keep that border open so anyone who wants to can cross it? Fine. Your problem. Let's play this game. All right? This is a game of chicken. This is a game of chicken. And what Republicans constantly do is they don't understand how the game of chicken works. So not to drop a, a tweet thread game theory on you, okay, but there's a basic concept in game theory called chicken, right? And this is the way that it works. If there are two people who are running a car directly at each other, their worst outcome is if nobody swerves, right? That's the worst outcome for both parties. Nobody swerves and there's a crash. The second worst outcome is if you're the guy who swerves and the other car just keeps driving straight forward. That's the second worst outcome. The best And the best outcome is, if for you, is if the other guy swerves, that's the best outcomes if the other guy swerves. So, how do you make the other guy swerve in a game of chicken? The way that you make the other guy swerve in a game of chicken is you demonstrate openly and obviously to the other person that you are not going to swerve no matter what. You put a brick on the accelerator, and you take the club and you put it on the steering wheel. I cannot swerve now. I've pre-committed to not swerving. So, either you're gonna swerve, or you're gonna get in a crash, but you have no choices, right? And the worst of those two options for you is to get in the crash. So, you swerve, right? Instead, what Republicans do is they pre-swerve. They say, we're not going to shut down the government. They always say that. They always say, we're not going to shut down the government. Under no circumstances are we going to shut down the government. You idiots. If you, if you want to lose the standoff that is the government shutdown, continue to be this stupid. Right? Barack Obama was perfectly happy with the shutdown. He was perfectly happy with the shutdown. But here was Mitch McConnell talking about the shutdown at exactly the same time.
1: Switch to the issue of... Uh potential government shutdown. You probably know that Democrats are making a big deal yeah. uh, out of comments that you made uh, talking about the strategy that you would use if you became majority leader to use spending bills to change policy and that
0: they, that, potentially, you did, that you didn't rule out a government shutdown. Can you just say Well, Oh, right I
1: now? did rule it out. I'm the guy that gets us out of shutdowns. Remember me? I'm the guy that gets us out of shutdowns. But that doesn't mean that Congress has an obligation to send appropriation bills to the president that are a blank check, which is the way it's been with the Democratic Senate. One of the powers of Congress is to direct spending, and we have an abusive bureaucracy across the board. It's been particularly bad here in Kentucky with the EPA and the coal industry that needs to have some directions from Congress. The reason Shuts down, Regal- shut down
0: But McConnell says, shutdowns are a failed policy. Ye- Shutdowns are not a failed policy. Shutdowns are a failed policy if you lose. Okay, I don't understand how this works. So when Barack Obama is president, the shutdown hurts the Republicans. But when Trump is president, the shutdown hurts the Republicans? How does this work exactly? It's just insanity. I want to talk a little bit more about this in just a second and the and the reaction that people should be having to the, the to the wall and all the rest of this. But first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at My Patriot Supply. So, if you are concerned about North Korea developing a nuke, if you are concerned about an earthquake, if you're concerned about a tornado, if you're concerned about a flood, if you're concerned in any case that there's going to be some sort of disaster for which you need resources, then you owe it to yourself and your family. Go to preparewithben.com preparewithben.com, 888-803-1413 and get your four-week emergency food supply for only Plus free shipping right now! If you go to preparewithben.com, uh, it's it's all of this food that makes sure that you and your family are fed. You buy it now, you don't have to worry about it because it lasts basically forever. It lasts a long, long time. Uh, it tastes like home cooking, according to the folks in the studio who have actually tasted it. It's preparewithben.com, and again, that makes sure that you and your family are safe against a one-time cost is ninety-nine bucks. You never have to worry about it again. You take it, you stash it in the closet, and then you never have to worry about it until that time when you should actually be worried. You go, oh, I remember, I went to preparewithben.com, and that's when I. I bought all of my food. I bought my emergency food supply. And so I don't have to worry while everybody outside is starving in the zombie apocalypse. You don't have to worry about it if you go to preparewithben.com right now and check it out. So go over there and get to your four-week emergency food supply for just $99. You owe it to yourself and to your family to do that. So what actually gets shut down during a, during a government shutdown? What actually gets shut down during a government shutdown is they delay unemployment insurance. They delay veterans' benefits. Maybe, maybe. That's unclear. National parks, museums, and passport offices, whatever. The Small Business Administration and FHA don't guarantee new loan applications, which is probably a good thing considering that half of what they're guaranteeing are bad loans that private industry wouldn't, wouldn't give. Farm subsidy checks stop flowing. Oh, no, farm subsidies. And IRS tax processing would slow down. Oh, no, it turns out the IRS won't be able to audit you. That's so terrible. Oh, no, what are we ever going to do without the IRS auditing people? Social security checks continue to go. Military spending to, uh, continues to, to happen. Commerce and labor departments shut down. Oh, no. That's so terrible. All of this is temporary, by the way. Right, TSA continues to, bo- to bother you. FBI, VA, all of this continues to function. Disaster relief continues to function. The Postal Service continues to deliver the mail. The Federal Reserve continues to work. Right. So basically, the, the parts of the government that people consider vital and many that aren't vital continue to operate in a government shutdown. But Republicans are so scared because they're all pansies. They're so scared of this stupid government shutdown. Uh, the the uh, you know, people are asking, "What about IRS tax returns? How about my tax refund?" Yes, the IRS will be slower to process your tax refund. They'll also be slower to audit you. You can, st- honest to God, like I think that you're better off with the, the the IRS failing to audit you. It's not a tax refund; it's your money in the first place. So if you so maybe you'd be better off for there to be a government shutdown. If they're going to do one, let's do it like April 10th, right? Do it right before tax season, and then they can't even process your tax returns. You won't even have to turn them in, presumably. But here's the thing: if the wall is that important. If the wall is that important, then you should be willing to stand up against the Democrats on this and say exactly what Barack Obama said and say, look, the people who are shutting this down are the Democrats, it's not me, and they're shutting it down to prevent a wall from being built that will protect all Americans. Isn't that a publicity win for them? Isn't that a publicity win? But you can see the Trump administration futzing around on this because a big government party has to avoid a government shutdown. Here's Sean Spicer being asked about Mexico funding the wall and the funding battle that in order to get the ball rolling on border security and the wall, that he was going to have to use the app- current appropriations process, but he would make sure that that promise would be kept as far as the payment of it. I think if you're coming in from our southern border, um, he has taken a lot of steps so far that has deterred uh, border crossing, but this is a permanent step that will extend beyond uh, his presidency. Eight years from now, the next president um, will have that wall in place to make sure that, 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 that it doesn't continue. So- Okay, so he says that he is going to get built and sure, Mexico will eventually pay for it. You should be angry with Trump if Trump is not willing to go to the mat on this thing. You should be angry with him. And I understand he doesn't want the bad headlines on day 100 or whatever. But who cares? Show some backbone here. Show some backbone. This was your key issue. Show some backbone. Charles Krauthammer, I think, mimics the talk of Democrats when he says the Democrats have the advantage. Here was his take on this. And I think this is totally wrong.
2: People accept the barrier idea. But if you look at the polling on the wall, I think the Democrats have the advantage. I don't particularly understand why anybody would object to a barrier of any sort at the border, even if it's marginally effective.
0: OK, so, you know, this idea that the, the wall is unpopular, so Trump will lose this battle. No, he won't. The reason that he won't lose this battle is because what the polls show is that Americans don't care all that much about the wall. But if Trump makes this battle about one side wants there to be no barrier whatsoever so people can enter illegally and they're willing to shut down the government for it. That's a winning political battle and he should stand by the power of his idea rather than caving to the power of big government, which is unfortunately what I think the the Republican Party in large measure has become, which is really quite terrible. Well, as we continue here at The Daily Wire, uh, we're going to talk about everything that's happening with Mike Flynn. There's there's some big news breaking. It looks like Mike Flynn may be in some deeper trouble, the former national security advisor. It's, it's going to heat up for the White House, which is not good news. And we're also going to be talking about the battle that's broken out on cable between Fox News and CNN over sexual harassment and all the rest. Plus, I have to play you the most ridiculous video in the history of mankind, Bill Nye has now cut the most ridiculous video in the history of mankind. But to see it, you'll actually have to subscribe over at dailywire.com. $8 a month gets you a subscription over at Daily Wire. If you become an annual subscriber, you get a free copy of the Arroyo, a fictional film set on the southern border, all about why we need a wall. Okay, the entire film is about a rancher who's facing down drug cartels using his land as a thoroughfare. Really good movie. You can get that for free when you become an annual subscriber or if you're just a subscriber, go over to dailywire.com right now, subscribe, watch the rest of the show live, watch me make fun of Bill and I and uh, and be part of the mailbag in a couple of days. So check that out. Um, Plus, if you you don't want to subscribe right now, you just want to listen later, go to iTunes or SoundCloud, become a subscriber there, subscribe at iTunes and leave us a review. We always appreciate it. We are the largest conservative podcast in the nation. Okay, so... The, this is breaking news right now, and now appears that Mike Flynn is in a little bit of trouble. The White House is telling the, the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform that it doesn't want to turn over any documents with regard to former National Security Advisor Mike Flynn's relationship with the Russian and Turkish governments. That is a cover-up, and it is not good. Okay, that is not good news for the White House. The White House has been trying to maintain that Mike Flynn didn't do anything wrong, that he was just targeted by nefarious Obama forces, and here they are saying they're not going to turn over documents that could be damaging. Uh, there is a letter that was just sent by the White House to the House. Committee on Oversight and Government Reform, to Chairman Jason Chaffetz and Elijah Cummings, who's the ranking Democratic member. It says, thank you for your letter of March 22nd to Chief of Staff Ryan previous regarding NSA Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. Your letter requests information and or documents in connection with the review by the House Committee on Oversight of General Flynn's disclosure of payments that he reportedly received from entities affiliated with the Russian and Turkish governments. And he says, "You go ask the Department of Defense, and then they say that we don't have control of any of these documents, And uh, they say that with respect to documents post-dating January 20th, when Trump actually took office, Flynn had contacts with a significant number of foreign nationals. Many of all those documents are likely to contain classified information. So we're not turning over any of the documents to you. That looks like a cover up. And that is not good news. Uh, Jason Chaffetz says that he he sees no evidence that Flynn complied with the law uh, on reporting that he took a trip to Russia or accepted money from the Russian government. He says that Flynn may have broken the law in Russia dealings and payments and the White House is refusing to turn over documents. I don't know why the White House would be saving him unless there's something bad going on. So you know, we'll have to wait to see how all this boils out, but that is not good news for the Trump administration. Again, I think that what happened here is same thing with Manafort as with Flynn. I think that what's happening here is that Trump hired a bunch of B-level players who had connections to the Russian government. He didn't know anything about it. And when it became clear to him that was the case, he fired people. But it was too late. They had already been compromised. Uh, I think it's, it's that, it does not look good. Let's put it that way. It does not look good. Uh, and we'll wait to see how that shakes out. Don't believe that there's fire just because there's smoke. But there's certainly a lot of smoke in the White House. Covering up those documents is not a good thing. Okay, in other news, uh, there is a war that is broken out. On Fox News, there was a... a columnist named W. Schlussel, who accused Sean Hannity uh, in not in so many of war, in so many words of sexual harassment. Then she sort of backed off and said it wasn't legal sexual harassment. And, uh, and Hannity is saying there's a war on Fox News. And there clearly is a war on Fox News. But two things can be true at once. One, there can be a war on Fox News. And two, there can be some pretty shady stuff that was happening at Fox News with regard to the treatment of women. The other networks are taking advantage of this. So Newt Gingrich says to Sean Hannity that there is a war on Fox News.
2: The level of hostility, uh, the level of desire to shut us up. They are so shocked that they lost in November. And they can't believe it's because they are out of touch, because they're dangerous, because their ideas are fantasies. Therefore, it's our fault. We're cheating somehow. And there's a war against Fox News for a practical reason. Fox News is the one place where you get reasonably accurate coverage of Donald J. Trump. If you're the New York Times or CBS News or the Washington Post, you would love to live in a world with no Fox News. And so there's a war literally a war going on with money being raised to hire lawyers, to, to set up fights, to do investigations. So you're you're a piece of that action. But you're also a piece of this much broader action that all across America the fascist left has decided that they have to shut us up. Because we're winning the argument and we're beginning and we're winning elections. So
0: there's, things, so there's, there's truth to, to what Gingrich is saying. It's a little overstated that the Fox News is the only people covering Trump. Honestly, there are a lot of Trump sycophants on Fox News. Uh, there are a lot of people who are anti-Trump on other news networks. But what he is saying that there is a group of people who want to take down Fox News because it's conservative. That is clearly, clearly true. On the other hand, it is also true that Fox News did engage in a culture that allowed sexual harassment for years, apparently, under the auspices of Roger Ailes as well as Bill O'Reilly. Jake Tapper is taking advantage of that to rip on Bill O'Reilly. Bill
1: O'Reilly addressed the sexual harassment scandal on his podcast. I am sad that I'm not on television anymore. I was very surprised how it all turned out. I can't say a lot because there's much stuff going on right now but i can tell you that i'm very confident the truth will come out and when it does i don't know if you're going to be surprised but i think you're going to be shaken as i am there's a lot of stuff involved here Oh, how the sleazy have fallen. O'Reilly promised more information in the future about the circumstances surrounding his exit. Two sources told CNN Money that O'Reilly will be paid tens of millions of dollars on his way out of Fox News.
0: So obviously CNN jumping on that bandwagon. There's currently a lawsuit, I believe, against CNN on the basis of racial discrimination. But let's let's be real about something. You know, Bill O'Reilly was accused here of sexual harassment. There's an article, I think it was from The New Yorker, about Don Lemon at CNN, in which Don Lemon was at a restaurant with a bunch, uh, and there was a, a waiter who came up to his table, and he legitimately sexually harasses the waiter in the article. Like, he, like, the waiter comes up, and he makes sexual comments to the waiter in front of the interviewer. No problems on Lemon's Gay, so it's not a big deal, apparently. Um, but, you know, Bill O'Reilly does the same thing, and it's a huge deal. It should be a big deal either way. So I always find it a little bit hypocritical when you see people and it's not Jake Tapper, because Jake Tapper I don't think is one of these guys. But I do find it hypocritical when people in the media act like Bill O'Reilly's the only sexual harasser on media lots. Okay, that's a bunch of crap. That's absolute nonsense. I mean, I've been in radio stations, okay? Sexual harassment is not a rare commodity. It happens on a fairly regular basis uh, in the media. It happens in Hollywood all the time. Hollywood is based on sexual harassment. uh, And so this idea that that Fox News is some sort of outlier, I think, is a little bit overstated. Okay, time for some things I like, some things I hate, and then we're going to deconstruct the culture. But before we get to that, I want to say thank you to our advertise over at Movement. Okay, so Movement is a watch company. It's MVMT, MVMT, watch. Watches.com. They make fantastic, fantastic watches. I wear my movement watch every single day. Uh, I used to wear a watch of another brand and it was not as comfortable. It was not as sleek looking. It wasn't as nice and as clean. Movement watches are top notch. I just, I love my movement watch. Uh, I'm going to buy one for my wife as well. It's MVMTwatches.com. Shapiro. They started just $95 at the department store. It's like a $400, $500 watch. And they figured out that by selling online, they could cut out the middleman and retail markup and provide the best possible price. All of their designs are really beautiful. You should go over to their website and check it out. It's just fun to look at. I, I love watches. You know, if you've ever seen the movie Doctor Strange, there's a scene where he pulls out a drawer and there's like a hundred watches in there. That's my dream. And movement makes it possible because all the all the watches are relatively cheap and uh, and they're they're really beautifully designed, really quality stuff. Um, so. And the company started with, with two broke college kids who wanted to wear stylish watches, but they couldn't afford them, so they started their own watch company, and it shows. I mean, this, this, these are people who put workmanship and craftsmanship into their product Really great stuff. Get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to MVMT Watches, movementwatches.com, slash Shapiro. Make sure that you use that slash Shapiro uh, in order to get that 15% off and let them know that we sent you. Again, I can't speak highly enough of these watches. Uh, every day when you watch the podcast and I check my watch, you can see that I'm wearing a, an MVMT Watch, a movement watch, mvmtwatchescom slash Shapiro. Uh, they've sold over a million watches, and you should be the next one because they are that good. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So. Things that I like. Um, So I've been doing slightly lesser known works of great composers. I'm not picking like super obscure works that people who know classical music know. um, But it's stuff that it's not in like, the top 10 greatest hits of, of a particular composer. So, this is one that I've played myself. It's really, uh, I think it's one of the most beautiful pieces ever written. Uh, this is the Bach Double Violin Concerto Second Movement. So, everybody knows the first movement, but the second movement's a little less well known. Uh, it's just a magnificent piece of music. Uh, here's the Bach Double Violin Concerto Second Movement. Bach double violin concerto and when it's played well I mean there, you, you'll hear a lot of kids playing it because it's in like the Suzuki program I think it's like book 6 of the Suzuki program uh, so don't hear, the, don't hear the kids playing it hear somebody who's actually like really really good playing it and the, the Bach double concerto just beautiful beautiful music there, there's solid case we made that Bach is the greatest composer who ever lived most people say Beethoven um, but Bach is I mean groundbreaking there's a story about Mozart that when Mozart heard, uh, you, you can hear, in the even in this movie, you can hear that there's counterpoint going on uh, b- between the two violin parts. Uh, when Mozart heard Bach, so Bach was actually famous in his time as an organist. He was not famous as a composer. He had sons who were more famous than he was as a composer. So C.P.E. Bach uh, and uh, J.C. Bach. They're, 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 J.S. Bach, Johann Sebastian Bach, is the one who you're listening to right now. Um, his sons were more famous than he was. He had, I think, nine children, uh, and uh, he had a bunch who were composers, all very uh, Carl, Philip Emanuel, C.P.E. Bach, much more famous than he was as a composer, his music was basically forgotten for like a hundred years. And then it was rediscovered, apparently, the, the report goes maybe apocryphal, the report goes that his music was discovered as fish rap, that, they, that people had, had found his music like being used to rap fish, and, uh, and Mozart discovered it, and Mozart, when he found out about Bach's music, was so blown away by Bach's music that he actually went on composing hiatus to learn Bach basically and then he came back and used counterpoint in his music and it pushed his musical development even further of course one of the great tragedies in the history of humanity is Mozart dying uh, young Mozart dies at uh, the age of 39 I believe Uh, and uh, if he had lived for another 15 years imagine the the back and forth the composing back and forth that could have occurred between Mozart and Beethoven because uh, Mozart and Beethoven uh, another amazing music story um, Mozart and Beethoven Beethoven was supposed to study with Mozart so Beethoven actually went to Mozart's house and was going to who studied with Mozart, which would have been an amazing thing. Uh, and Mozart had to leave town because I think that his father was sick or something. Uh, and by the time that, oh no, it was the other way around. Beethoven had to leave town because his dad was sick. And by the time Beethoven returned, Mozart was dead. Uh, so, you know, all of these kind of missed chances. But uh, Bach is just magnificent. And Bach is one of those composers you can listen to at any time of the day. So there are certain compo- like you have to be in the mood for Beethoven. You don't have to be in the mood for Bach. You can put on Bach in the morning, the Brandenburg Concerto's Great Music to Wake Up to. Bach is always just magnificent, so check it out. Bach, double concerto, great piece, all three movements, fantastic. Okay, other things that I like. So from the sublime to the ridiculous, uh, Chris Matthews on MSNBC, uh, he is very upset with the Democrats because it seems that they've been unable to break the loyalty for Donald Trump among Republicans. Of course, because Democrats are too focused on calling Trump voters idiots and and rubes to actually make an argument as to why they should move away from Trump. So Chris Matthews on MSNBC has to admit the resistance, the giant failure, coming here every day, Come here to shoe. show, you get up, all rumpled, they sit here, and they talk about Trump, Trump this and Trump that, the resistance, ah, God, ah, go.
2: Congresswoman, what's so impressive is about your district. They voted heavily for President Obama, voted heavily for you, voted narrowly by a squeaker for Trump, and so you're interesting, because people <laughs> want to know, you know, I'm surrounded by a lot of progressives, not just in this industry, but socially, and they seem to think, at least in the short run, resistance, just resist, <laughs> hate Trump, talk about how much you hate Trump, and that's going to do it. And I'm also looking at these latest numbers that the Trump voters have folded. They're 96 percent where they were last November. Uh, the Republicans are heavily for Trump, four out of five. So that, that resistance ain't going to change history. Well, what, you, what, what will change the history back for the Democrats, your party?
0: And the answer is nothing until Democrats actually get their acts together, because Democrats right now have no program. They have no vision for the country. And Trump has hijacked half their vision with his big government shtick. So, uh, you know, Chris Matthews is actually exactly right about all of this. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So, you know, I've spent most of my life in the media. Uh, I understand the value of ratings. It annoys the living hell out of me when people sort of use tricks for ratings. Tucker Carlson is a super talented guy. Tucker Carlson is fully capable of destroying any number of idiots that he brings onto his program. He's now filling in Bill O'Reilly's slot. On his very first show, he brought in Caitlyn Jenner as a guest. And the only reason to bring Caitlyn Jenner on as a guest is for the sort of hot talk, uh, the 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 aspect of this that is that is the freak show. Uh, and I'm not calling Caitlyn Jenner a freak, by the way. I'm saying that this is the way that the media view Caitlyn Jenner. They view Caitlyn Jenner and the public use Caitlyn Jenner in the same way. And it's nasty and it's cruel. They view Caitlyn Jenner in the same way that they used to view people at the circus. They used to say, oh, well, here's the freak in the tent. I'm going to pay my admission. And except that now we, we proclaim that we feel bad for people like Caitlyn Jenner. So we'll put Caitlyn Jenner, who obviously has a mental problem. Problem on television and we are going to treat Caitlyn Jenner as though we are sensitive to Caitlyn Jenner's needs and wants when in reality, we're just putting on Caitlyn Jenner for ratings. And you can tell that because Tucker Carlson doesn't ask Caitlyn Jenner really any tough questions about the nature of transgenderism. Instead, he sort of just signs off on whatever it is Caitlyn Jenner wants to say here.
1: Um, the Olympic Committee is way ahead of the rest of the world when it comes to dealing with identifying transgender issues and competing. Um, all the way back when I was competing in the 70s all the women had saliva tests to make sure their dna that they were female because we had the east german women and and uh, the oh, yeah, soviet women yeah. and all that kind of stuff well since then there has been a lot of kind of gender non-conforming we don't quite know where they fit in into the athletic world and the olympic committee has done 20 years of studies on issues of hormone levels of, of whether you need gender confirmation surgery what what can you do as a trans person to be able to compete as your authentic self right and they've come up with guidelines you meet those guidelines you can compete and obviously this woman did do you
0: think yeah. it's fair to the yes, other I think girls it's totally competing? Fair. the
1: olympic committee thinks it's fair i'm fine with it yes
0: Okay, and Tucker Carlson really doesn't go any further than that. Again, I just think, I, I don't know what Caitlyn Jenner has to offer in the public square. There are better advocates, I assume, for gender, for, for transgenderism and the so-called transgender rights movement than Caitlyn Jenner. But it's it's just, it's, it's using, it's using. It's using people in order to get ratings, and that's not something uh, that I'm particularly fond of. Again, if you're going to have Caitlyn Jenner on, then you actually have to have the debate. You can't just sign off on whatever Caitlyn Jenner says because Caitlyn Jenner is on the show. Okay, other things that I hate. Josh Ernest is the, is the former White House press secretary, and uh, he says that Barack Obama is going to return to politics if Donald Trump crosses any red lines. I think what would motivate President Obama to reengage in the political debate is if we saw the federal
1: government start to cross some clear red lines in terms of long observed norms and values uh, that, uh, you know, frankly, I think that we started to take for
0: granted. Okay, so, uh, first of all, the reason I hate this is because Barack Obama has never met a red line he wasn't willing to cross. Uh, The fact is that Bashar Assad gassed children, and uh, he did nothing about it. So, apparently, Donald Trump can cross a red line, but Bashar Assad can't. Best thing Democrats can do is ignore Barack Obama for the foreseeable future. He's just going to suck more air out of the room. Okay. It is a Tuesday. So on Tuesdays, we deconstruct the culture. We look at some aspects of culture, and we see what they're actually telling you and your children because the left does most of its great messaging in the cultural arena, not in politics. I mean, their, their political advocates are people like Josh Ernest and Barack Obama. In the culture, they're usually better at it, but not always. The case in point this week being Bill Nye the science guy. So Bill Nye the science guy, for some reason, has actually been seen by the left as an actual science guy. Bill Nye's knowledge of science He's really sort of fringe. I mean, he's not anybody who is ever a researcher. He doesn't have the same scientific background as, say, Neil deGrasse Tyson. He had a degree, a BS in mechanical engineering from Cornell in the 1970s. That is his entire, his entire scientific background. He worked for NASA as a mechanical engineer for a little while. What does that mean? make him know about global warming, for example. I'm not sure particularly a lot, but they're trotting him out there because he's, a, he's an icon, right? He's somebody who, when I was growing up, he was on TV doing experiments with chemicals and it was really cool looking. And yet the Bill Nye the Science Guy, Bill Nye the Science Guy, right? Everybody remembers that. If you're my age, that was like a big thing. And so now he is out there, but he's now doing a Netflix special called Bill Nye Saves the World. Spoiler alert, he doesn't. Okay, so uh-huh. Bill, so Bill Nye decided that he was going to have on Rachel Bloom, who I guess is from the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I've never heard of this woman. But he, he does this show on Netflix, and he has this woman, Rachel Bloom, come out and do a special song. And we will show it to you, uh, to your own horror and amusement. We will show this to you. This is legitimately the worst thing that has ever been produced on planet Earth. I mean, this is like, it is the, it is the neutron bomb of entertainment. It is just, it is Plan B, it is Plan Nine from Outer Space times 1,000. It is just awful. Here's Bill Nye, the science guy, introducing Rachel Bloom to sing a song, sing a song called My Sex Junk. Yes, this is a real thing.
2: So, you guys, seriously, this next thing I feel is very special. This is a cool little segment. Uh, you know this woman from Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Please give it up for Rachel Bloom.
3: This world of ours is full of choice, but must I choose between only John or Joyce? All my options only, hard or moist, my vagina has its own voice, not vocal cords, a metaphorical voice. Sometimes I do a voice for my vagina, please don't tell me I'm the only one who does that. It's so oh, 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 much more than either oh, oh, oh Power bottom or a top off Versatile love may have some butt stuff It's evolution, ain't nothing new There's nothing taboo about a sex too Just add salt or Gerard de French treasure Cause my sex junk so, oh, 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 I would more stop if I think I've lost either. the power of speech. Oh, 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 if they're alive, I'll date 'em. Channing or Janet,ate 'em. I'm down for anything. Don't box in my box. Give someone new a handy, then give yourself props. Oh, you
0: think you're so smart? Did you learn gay in college? Cheer with all of that
3: while I drop some knowledge. Sexuality's a spectrum. Everyone is on it. Even you might like it if you sit up. Drag queen, drag king, just do what feels right. You're tall, pansexual, flirty, woods right. Who enjoys a flashlight in the cold moonlight with a sad clown?
0: Yeah, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. okay. For those of us who, those of you who are still with us, who have not died at your computer from watching this horror show. So much science, right? I mean, I'm glad the science guy was here to demonstrate how much science he knows with my sex junk. This is so bad that it starts off and you're thinking to yourself, it's got to be a parody, right? It's so bad. And then it becomes, like, it just at the point where it's about to become funny because it's so bad, it just reverts to being bad again. Like, it doesn't actually go over the line to when it becomes hilarious. It just reverts into being absolute horse bleep. It's just so awful in every way. It's scientifically illiterate. It's not good. It's not funny. It's not interesting. It's just, it's horrifying. These are the people who are marching for science. Don't tell me that you know science when you're telling me my sex junk is so O-O-O much more than either or, or, or. Like, really. Don't tell me that you are are just a a scientifically knowledgeable person when you suggest that sexuality is a spectrum. Everyone is on it. Even you might like it if you sit up on it. Okay, I have been told by you, Rachel Bloom, and you, Bill Nye, that sexuality is not only not a spectrum. You're either born gay or straight. And if sexuality is a spectrum, then how can you be born gay or straight? I, I was told that, I mean, you're telling me that I might like it. I'm pretty sure I won't because I was born straight, right? I mean, that's your logic, but apparently... It, it, uh, so this is what they're... Okay, so why does this matter? Besides the fact that I wanted to play this horrible video for ratings, just like I was criticizing Tucker Carlson for doing five seconds ago. So, why, so what, what is the... Why exactly are we playing this? We're playing this because this is how the left infuses the culture. So this happened on a Netflix special. Okay, it happened on a Netflix special from a guy who used to be a children's show host. The kids he used to teach are now my age. And so now he is trying to teach them all anew with this idiocy about sex junk OOO and how pansexualism is the new hot and how everybody can be a man or a woman both. It's, it is indoctrination through culture. And I'm sure that there are people on the left who find this empowering. I'm sure there are. I'm sure that if you go to Huffington Post today, they're praising this thing. In fact, I guarantee it. In fact, I'm going to look it up right now just to find out whether I am correct on this. I can guarantee you that they didn't cover this as a, as the horrific piece of entertainment that it is. Indeed, here it is. Rachel Bloom made a hilarious video, a hilarious video. Okay, that that's that's really what it says. I mean, I'm not I'm not making this up. This is it. Just uh, so. Again, I don't know why Rachel Bloom from My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is lecturing us all about sexuality and the biology of evolution and sex or why evolution would direct people toward presumably putting their junk, their sex junk, O-O-O, on Florida wood sprites. But, you know, I'm just a guy who likes science, not somebody who, who feels that their agenda has to be set by the left and then try and fit that science into a box, not her – Forget that obscene joke. Okay, so, uh, okay, so other, uh, <laughs> other things happening in the culture. Chris Pratt. Uh, is, uh, is now under fire because Chris Pratt made a statement in in a story where he said that uh, personal stories that don't resonate with him are being made. He said, I don't see personal stories that necessarily resonate with me because they're not my stories. I think there's room for me to tell mine and probably an audience that would be hungry for them. The voice of the average blue-collar American isn't necessarily represented in Hollywood. Yes, this is clearly true. The vast majority of people who work in Hollywood are hardcore leftist Democrats who, who hail from major cities. That is just the fact. And even the people who left their hometown to work in Hollywood are people who generally despise their hometown, which is why they left to work in Hollywood. Talk to people in Hollywood. I've spent my entire life here. That is how it works. Chris Pat is, Pratt is exactly right. Doesn't matter. Everybody decides on the left that this is just terrible, and he's ripped by a bunch of people who are who say that that uh, that there there's lots of movies about blue collar white men. That's not the question as to whether there are movies about blue collar white men. The question as to whether those are actually reflective of a blue collar white experience written when it's being written by somebody who has no idea who these people are. Chris Pratt then turns around and tweets out, that was actually a pretty stupid thing to say. I'll own that. There's a ton of movies about blue-collar America. Yes, making fun of blue-collar America. It is I think Chris Pratt is a class act. I understand what he's doing here, but it's just demonstrative of Hollywood's fascism that they feel like they need to walk that back. Okay, final thing. Serena Williams has posted an Instagram, the tennis star, greatest female tennis player of all time, Serena Williams posted an Instagram uh, by the way, I think she's terrific. she She posts on Instagram. she's pregnant. Um, I don't believe, is she married I don't believe Serena Williams is married. So number one, if you're if you're pregnant and you are rich, if you're pregnant, and you're poor, uh, then uh, get married. I, I don't think that she is. She's thirty five years old. Um, she's she's fiances with uh, Alexis Ohanian, who's the, the reddit co-founder. Um, you know, marry the guy first of all. but beyond that, she she wrote this piece and it says my dearest baby you gave me strength I didn't know she writes this whole beautiful little note to her unborn child and she's pointing at her stomach at the time great good The reason that I have a problem here is not because of what she's saying. The reason I have a problem is if she decided to get that baby aborted tomorrow, the entire left would say it's no longer a baby. So, in other words, the personhood of what is inside her womb is completely dependent on whether Serena Williams likes it or not. That is not a good way to measure personhood, and I think the entire left should look at what Serena Williams is saying about her baby and say, you know what, Serena is right, that is a baby, and it's a baby whether she thinks it's a baby or not. Clearly she does, good for her, but that is still a baby, even if she didn't think it's a baby, because... You're, you don't get to make up in your own mind. Thinking does not make it so. Thinking a baby is not a baby does not make it so. Okay, so we'll be back here tomorrow. We'll bring you the latest on President Trump's tax rollout and the potential government shutdown and the wall and the Russian stuff. Lots of news breaking. Be here or be square. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First.